0: Beating Alpha. This is episode 69 and we have a very special guest today on as you will see here on the screen in a few seconds. Uh, First of all, I wanna introduce you to Chris Grenzik. He started a real estate investing journey in January of 2016 by trying to flip houses on Long Island, New York, but failed to flip a single house despite spending tens of thousands of dollars and several months trying. So again, we, we probably should talk about that, what to do and what not to do. This is what the show is for. Uh, so Chris and his team tried uh, pivoting to purchasing tax deed properties in Philadelphia, but quickly realized it wasn't for them. Uh, from there, Chris started to learn about multifamily and started by investing passively in an eight unit property, then joint venturing in another 100 unit worth over $4.5 million. From there, Chris quit his full-time job in finance and joined Toro Real Estate Partners full-time in August 2016. So Toro has acquired roughly 4,000 units worth around $285 million, and Chris runs their Florida operations, totaling 1,000 units worth over $60 million. So as you see here from the bio, it's going to be a very cool, impressive, uh, uh, wealth of knowledge interview. So again, uh, Chris, appreciate it for the time today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, bud. Uh,
0: so where did we start? 2016, what happened there with the, with the flipping houses? Can you give uh, some advice for the people? And maybe if we kind of go back to the times uh, of young Chris, he's uh, mm-hmm. still young, but uh, when did you decide uh, to follow the path of real estate investing?
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was only, so I graduated from college May 2014, and <clears throat> I tried coaching for a year up in Massachusetts. So, Long Island, born and raised, went to college on Long Island. Um, that was my first year away and really missed home. So decided to come back, got another job coaching, and then also got a job as a cold caller for a stock brokerage company. And then eventually got licensed, but I really hated that job um, for a few reasons, but started looking for like the transition for the next thing out. And just got very lucky that in January, my mom and my cousin had decided to buy a flipping course. And my mom was obviously someone I spoke to about wanting to leave. And she said, why don't you come to this weekend seminar, see if it's something that would interest you. You can do it with us, you know, we'd be happy to have you. So I said, sure. And that was first introduction into real estate. I knew nothing before that. My length of experience was growing up in a house and I rented a house once, that was it. So it was a huge learning curve for me. I learned that weekend that asbestos is not a type of mold. That was one of the first things I learned. So that was fun. And after that, I was hooked. I mean, they do a good job of not selling the vision, but selling the vision of, you know, making six figures, flipping tons of houses a year. And that was like, I was like, this is great. This is what I want to do. So spent nights and weekends after my two jobs, trying to make this happen for the next several months and like you mentioned ultimately failed. We never bought a home, never even messed one up. I've got one failed flip to my name in Charleston that happened about 18 months ago. So it wasn't even during that time period. Um, One day, hopefully I'll have a flip that's successful, but currently none. So yeah, we we tried, eventually we pivoted because we heard more about people doing it out of state and decided to try to partner with flippers found out no flippers really want partners, but everybody wanted a hard money loan. Um, so we ended up lending to somebody to try to learn.
0: Got it. Okay, so that, that was kind of our first lessons in real estate business. So besides yeah. besides that, I mean, your mom, like what? why is she? Why did she decided to, to follow through like on a flipping houses course?
1: Yeah, so my mom had worked as a school administrator for 15 years and I forget if she was retiring or just retired. I, I mix up the timeline, but she's not the person to just remain idle. And she had done it you know, a few years early. She did well and saved up and was looking just for something else to do. And she had always wanted to start moving money from more traditional investments, stocks, bonds, funds, et cetera, into more alternative stuff like real estate. And like most people, when you think about real estate, if you grow up, you own a home. They had owned a rental property in the past. You think single family homes, they'd never thought of the commercial aspect of it. So naturally, she just looked at what other people do. And HGTV is a big program. She heard an ad for house flipping. House flipping is way more popularized versus other types of real estate investing. So that was kind of the first thing she went with. My cousin was also looking to do some other things. He was working a full-time job in manhattan he had just gotten the authority to start working from home more he just got his agent's license and he basically just said this is another part of being an agent i can just you know, houses i don't sell you know we can buy and flip or something along those lines so that was kind of why they decided to go down that route and for me it was just i was still younger i was January 2016 i just turned 24 <clears throat> excuse me and you know still young still trying to find my way and i said you know what's one weekend seminar right it's one you know one night out not with my friends i think i can manage
0: <laughs> yeah definitely well it turned out to be pretty well for you you know so
1: <laughs> yeah no it luckily indirectly one of the best decisions i ever made
0: yeah well, definitely guarantee you that. You know, probably some of the friends they used to go out. Probably they, they they didn't make similar decisions and they didn't put themselves in a in a you know in a positions as you are putting right now. As we talked before the conversation. Again, all due respect to your friends, but you know that's what making good decisions. Even sometimes, you know, making a decision into let's go in a in a in a course of flipping deals and then t- t- turns out to be a bad deal or for whatever reason. Again, it's a lesson learned. But at the end of the day, you you come out you know to the other side when you like you know you're growing and you're becoming more so how did you turn out to be involved into the eight unit multifamily deal i mean where, where did that came from
1: yeah so that that flipper that was doing the flipping pa that we lent money to um he introduced us to his cousin who's john cohen who's one of the owners at toro where i work now and we just met with john because we thought it would be a good networking thing and we started talking and his introduction was actually buying tax deed properties at auction down in Philadelphia and fixing them up and either holding them to rent or flipping them. And to us, that sounded really interesting because we were finding the problem to be in our area of finding deals cheap enough that it made sense. So this was, you could buy properties for a few thousand bucks. Philadelphia's not that far. And we said, okay, we'll give that a shot. So we just asked him for some help to get started. He kind of showed us the basics and the ropes and was going to you know, help us get on our feet. <clears throat> Me and my cousin decided to drive down one weekend. So the process was the auction was on Sunday and John's process was drive as many properties as you can on Saturday to try to get more information because you would literally get like the address, the parcel information and the starting bid. Oftentimes you wouldn't even know how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms. So you would try to go get, Information beforehand so you could have a better idea if it was something you wanted to bid on or not. Drove down Saturday morning, stayed all day, decided to drive back because we had no uh, um, encouragement to actually buy a property. We just flat out hated it. It was in super rough areas. Um, The drive was long. um, And my mom had no desire to drive down. My cousin, his agent business was starting to pick up at this time. He was also, I forget, he either just had his first kid or was having his first kid. And I just saw the writing on the wall of, I'm going to be the one driving down every weekend, having to do this. And at the time being 24, the occasional weekend missing stuff I was okay with, but if I was going to start missing every weekend, I was not in the place where I was willing to just totally sacrifice my entire social life. So I said, this just isn't going to, this isn't just going to be a good fit for us right now, even though I still think it was a very good business model and there was a lot of opportunity. It just wasn't what we were looking to do. So came back, um, met John again, just said, thank you, but it's just not right for us. And at the end of the meeting, he had just secured that eight unit property under contract and was raising money. Just he said, hey, I know you guys are trying to do your own thing, but if you have any interest, let me know. And we said, yeah, sure, we will, blah, blah, blah. And as we kind of went away, we started thinking about it. We had started learning about multifamily. We were interested in it. And we just felt it was a little bit of a better fit of what we were looking to do. And we thought about it the same way as the flipping side. We said, let's invest passively to learn more and see if we can get our foot in the door that way. So we went back to John and said, hey, we'll invest. Our only caveat is, can we jump on a phone with you, grab coffee, pick your brain once a week, every other week, I forget what it was, and just learn more about it. And he said, sure. So from there, we just started getting coffee, talking to him. Uh, He had a meetup that he had just started the first one we went to. And we just started trying to find ways to ingrain ourselves with him to leverage his experience and knowledge because it was something we started liking a lot quicker than the other ones. And we were like, okay, I think this is the one that we want to really move forward with. So we started helping him with the meetup. And then we went to him and said, hey, we're not ready to do this by ourselves yet can we partner with you in deals? And he said, sure. So we said, you know, we'll help you with the raise. We'll help you with a lot of the grunt work. And we went out and we partnered on another 17 units in that same area. It was three properties, 17 units, Um, closed that. And then a few months later, actually bought a 82 unit down in Jacksonville, Florida. And right around the time I was doing that 17 unit, I was still working as a stockbroker, hated it, ready to quit. And as luck would have it, John was still early on in his company, Toro, with his partner, Don. John was still doing some smaller stuff on the side. Toro was focused on 100 to 500 unit properties, you know, 10 to $50 million properties. And they were under contract on their third deal. I just happened to be talking to him one day. I was like, I really hate this, blah, blah, blah. And as luck luck would have it, or coincidence, he had actually worked for the same people at a different company about five, six years prior. So he understood what I was going through and told him I was looking to leave. I wanted to do real estate, but wasn't quite there yet on our own. And he said, why don't you just come over for a few months, try it out. We'll try you out, see if it's a good fit and you can work on some of the bigger stuff, help us out. And I think I said, sure, pretty quickly. Uh, And that was August of 2016, quit my job, went over to Toro full-time and then eventually, you know, evolved into a role where I run the Florida region of our portfolio
0: beautiful beautiful that's a very good story you know so yeah. thanks thanks for sharing that so uh again having an experience a little bit working as a cold caller for the stock brokers and having a taste of you know stock market well at least a little bit uh, you know to sort to some degree uh do you still believe in uh, diversification and uh do planning or are you investing into different uh, assets out there in the marketplace
1: yeah i'm I'm big on diversification. I think once, when you start diversification, I think it is less important. I think as you start accumulating wealth, it's much more important. I think there's a saying, I'm probably going to butcher it, but you get rich by doing one thing really great. You stay rich by diversifying into many things. Um, So that was always something I'm a little bit less risky. So I've diversified earlier, but I'm a long-term person being a stockbroker. It was all the quicker, the better. So try to get in and out of something very quick for good or for bad. And one of the reasons I wanted to leave is they were very commission focused. They were very much self-focused and they didn't really care whether the client made money or not. And I thought that was a very bad way to do business. And I think long-term it it was never going to play out. So that's one of the reasons I left, but the investing side, yeah, I'm, I'm big in diversification, whether it's location asset class um time frame um you know the sector that it's in you know i'm going to continue to look for more and more things i mean i've explored things as crazy like buying a laundromat in brooklyn um you know doing a like drop shipping company mm-hmm. on shopify never did it but you know looked at those things because i think diversification is huge
0: Oh, definitely agree with you on that one. So what will be your type of advice again for the people who are watching this right now, uh, still during the COVID times, or maybe it's post-COVID, you're watching this or listening on a podcast. But maybe you're again young as as Chris, maybe you're in 20s, or maybe you're 15, or whatever the age might be, 30, right? So but you kind of lost and you're thinking what I could do in my life. And like, you know, in those positions when you're lost and you just don't know where to start, Mm -hmm. what will be your advice? Cause you've been going through, you know, a lot of those kind of finding your own path, you know, experiences yourself. What would you recommend for those people?
1: Yes. I think anybody sitting at home, if you literally are doing nothing, like let's say the base, nothing, have no idea where to go. You probably have an inkling of something you like, and there's probably a way that that thing you like, Can lead to a job or a way to make money you have to try it to figure out if it's the right thing and what i think a lot of people do that i didn't do as much or i don't do as much as other people is they spend so much time debating which one is the right route to go is it this one or it's that one and all that time extra that you spend is extra time it takes you to realize if it's the right thing or not you already probably have a gut reaction just start finding out more about it. The perfect example is the um, tax deed stuff in Philly. We kind of thought it was a good idea. We weren't really sure. I don't think we were in love with it from the beginning, but we knew we wouldn't know until we actually went in down and tried it. But we realized very quickly that it wasn't right. If we had waited another six months, that would have been another six months that we wouldn't have figured out if it was right for us or learn about multifamily. We may have entirely missed the opportunity to work with John. I may have missed the entire opportunity to go work for Toro. I could be living a very different life. Now I'll never know. Who knows? I could have been in a much better position, right? Or I could have been in a much worse position. That's the other great thing is once you make a decision, you'll never know the alternative. You'll never know what would have happened otherwise. It could have been infinitely better and it could have been way worse. You'll never know. So for me, it's start figuring out what's a couple options that you might be interested in doing, and then just decide to try it and do it. And if you go down and you like it great, if you don't, then pivot and do something else.
0: Great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, again, I'm sure you're a big proponent, you know, of educating and, you know, teaching yourself things. Cause again, if you wanna go and diversify in different uh, platforms, you know, different uh, asset classes, you person at least should know a little bit or maybe a lot about the asset class. Let's say if it's real estate or drop shipping, stock market. So, and there's multiple ways that people can educate themselves, uh, multiple sources out there. But what will be like your top sources where you get your education pieces and what would you recommend for people to go and follow and, you know, educate themselves?
1: I think if you're starting from zero, the best place is Google. You know, you just There's so many people out there creating educational content or content in general around a subject. It, it'll take maybe some time to really find the good educational sources. But once you start Googling and finding people, you can start getting an idea for things. And if you start with those things and you start liking it, then you can start reaching out or following people that are working in that industry and find more and you just slowly but surely find better and better resources. Um, you know, the best way, you know, just how curious are you naturally there's an easy way to find out anything. So really just start Google, just start looking YouTube too. If you're more of a video person, um, yeah, I'll usually do both. Um, but that's really the best way in my opinion.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Oh, there, there is multiple ways. Again, networking as we just connected on, uh, Uh, I'm sure it was Instagram or Facebook, I I can't Mm -hmm. remember now, but if you just go and basically connect with the people that would like to, I wouldn't say, you know, like pick pick their brain or just to have them on the show, you know, again, look for ways to add value to those people at the same time, because it has to be, you know, create those win-win situations. But, uh, you know, there's multiple things like YouTube, podcasts, blog posting. I mean, there's unlimited amount of information. So maybe sometimes people just get lost in all this mm-hmm. ocean of, you know, wealth of knowledge is just like, they don't know where to start, but if, yeah, I so like what you I, said. If you just Google. It,
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it. two interesting things cause I talked about like the, the laundromat and the drop shipping things, the, the, the drop shipping, I did a lot of research on and actually like just opened up like a free store on Shopify just to like see how it works and started doing it. And I never connected with anyone to ask about it because I started going down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And for me, the reason I stopped was I didn't see how I could have a competitive advantage over other people. And I felt like so many people today are actually building real brands where they have real product and that they're invested in. I thought, I don't see how I'm going to last. I'm not saying it's not a good business model. I just felt for me, I was going to be spending too much time on something that was too easy for other people's to enter. When you have a low, cost of barrier business Mm -hmm. model, it just eventually becomes a margin game. Who's willing to take the lowest price for the same product. And for me, that didn't seem like a sustainable long-term play. I understand people do well and you can shift the different things and play trends for me, I was just like, it's, it's going to take too much hours. It didn't feel right. The laundromat thing though made a little bit more sense to me because it was a little bit more relatable to what I was doing. So I actually went down that same rabbit hole. I was like, maybe, maybe not. And then I started talking to a couple people. And once I started talking to a couple, it was people I knew that knew of people. And when I heard their secondhand accounts, it was something, again, I decided to take a step back from because I felt there was too much knowledge that, like laundromat-specific knowledge that I would have had to get quickly that I felt that would have been too at risk. The way I would have entered would be to try to find a partner who knew a little bit more or to piggyback off of it. But when I started looking at it, I was like, I just, I heard of too many people that had failed doing it, especially in the city area. Um, It was a lot of unknowns. It was a lot of like less proven ways to figure out how much it actually makes and what your actual expenses are. So I did go a little bit further down that route of, Hey, starting to network and talk with people. And then again, just made that decision to just cut it and maybe revisit in the future
0: exactly i love what you just uh, you know covered and if i would just simplify for the people i think that will be the uh, the whole mm-hmm. idea because the there is business opportunities around still that you should did 5 years before you know, there, there it's, the market is just saturated for some business opportunities, as I mentioned, you mentioned, know, or Shopify or whatever that might be, unless you have unlimited capital okay. and you want to drop that in a business that you don't know anything about, you want to test the orders. But again, there's not a lot of people who are in that position to have, you know, access of capital that they can go and compete with these established brands, as you said.
1: Yep. But
0: if you just choose the, the thing, if you already have the thing that is correlated to what you're doing, you know, the main thing that you're focusing on, which is, you know, laundromat, like it's correlated to the main business, which is multifamily that you're doing. It's not that far. So, and it's going to be much easier for you to pull the trigger on that. So definitely that's a, that's a great advice on that one.
1: So looking at, please. uh, Sorry, just real quick. Big part was, I want to be clear that there's nothing wrong with either of those two business models. They just weren't right for me at that time, which is why I decided to stop
0: exactly exactly it could be right for some people yeah 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 so go, go ahead and compete you know because you might be you know the one who's going to come out you know at the top you know even though you're just starting out i'm not saying you know everything is possible so so look uh torah real estate partners uh four thousand units uh so mm-hmm. far so what is the strategy with you guys what are you currently doing in the market conditions are you a seller you're a buyer like what is your approach in the market conditions now
1: like as of today during COVID or in general?
0: In general, the 2020.
1: Yeah, I mean, with COVID, we took a big step back. You know, we bought, we were fortunate that we did a lot of business the end of last year and the beginning of this year. Um, so we're not like, we need to generate revenue. We need to buy these deals. We also co-invest in all of our deals. So it's a lot of our own <laughs> money making money. Um, so I think we're probably different than some others in that regard. We are definitely more cautious at the moment than I think average. We're not really looking at a ton of deals from the company level to buy right now just because of the uncertainty and what's going on. However, we're not necessarily a seller right now either, but that's more of a a product of most of our deals are still implementing their capital plans and their renovation plans. So I think if, every, let's say every deal was... Finished with this capital plan we would be evaluating whether it's a right time to sell or not I don't think there's any holding us back I think more and more deals are starting to transact in the last month than the first four or five months of covid so it is kind of opening things back up but we're still fearful that you know at the blink of an eye the company can sh- uh, the country can shut down again and we'll be back in some of these, Unknown areas. So for us, we would just rather miss out on an opportunity than potentially shoot ourselves in the foot and over leverage. So we're not really in a big rush right now to do anything. We're still looking, we would still 100% buy if the right deal came along. But I think we just kind of tightened up some of the ways we were looking at things
0: yeah that makes total sense so what about the deal so again for the people who are watching multifamily family properties uh, so maybe you can talk about that uh, like what states are you currently investing in what uh, asset classes are you buying or what, what do you currently own in the portfolio yes yeah,
1: so we own in some other areas but we're currently only focused on two clusters north and central florida and a few cities in the midwest so we target MSAs of a million people or more. Uh, MSA is metropolitan statistical area. You can think of it as the city and the surrounding suburbs. So we're looking in Jacksonville, Florida, Orlando, Florida, Tampa, Florida, uh, Louisville, Indianapolis, Nashville, Cincinnati, and Columbus, Ohio. Um, that's really it. We're doing that not necessarily that other markets aren't good, but just from a business standpoint, we want to build up scale in those areas to have greater economies of scale. If we want to bring anything in-house and more vertically integrate, it's easier in fewer locations. We also have two very good managers in those areas that are more regional. They're not national, so we like working with them. Um, And we focus on BNC assets and they can be anywhere from your more typical light medium value add stable deal all the way down to heavily distressed opportunistic stuff. So we've bought two deals that were 100% vacant. We've bought a couple deals that were 50 to 70 percent occupied. Um, so we bought we have bought some hairy deals as well.
0: Okay, got it. So, and you do real estate syndications, is that right? Correct. So, for the people who are watching this and thinking, what is real estate syndication? Can you explain, uh, you know, in in a simple terms, what it it is?
1: Yeah, so whether it's any commercial real estate or real estate property, even if it's your own home, you're gonna buy a property, you're gonna go out and get some sort of mortgage for it, most likely and you would come up with the down payment, any closing costs, and if you were going to fix it up, you know, all that would come out of your pocket. It would be in the form of equity. What syndication is basically saying, instead of our company being all the equity, we will then syndicate out and raise money from investors to make up a percentage of that equity. So if it was a $10 million property, we got a $7 million loan, we were going to raise $3 bucks. just for easy math, we would probably raise anywhere from a million and a half to two and a half million dollars from other investors so that we don't have to come out of pocket for 3 million. It allows our money to be further uh, diversified like we talked about earlier. And also it allows us to make money on other people's money when we perform. So that's really the business model in a nutshell.
0: Got it. So what are those people that are investing with you? Like can you give kind of uh, by the SEC terms, like what type of people can invest in in your deals?
1: yeah so depending upon how we structure it it's either accredited or non-accredited investors Um, most of our deals because they are it's called 506b they do allow us to have up to 30 non-accredited investors we're typically not doing 506c's so we do allow several non-accredited but we never go close to that 30 limit we're typically in the five to ten range and for the most part it's just friends family or you know private investors who've reached out to us who have some money saved up. They're not far away from being non-accredited, but they're just not quite there yet. Um, You know, somebody who is pretty far away, we typically don't allow them to invest because we do have certain minimums and we don't wanna have, you know, a large percentage of somebody's net worth tied up in a deal. We think that's gonna lead to long-term problems because things come up, emergencies happen, you need to liquidate and have your funds. And unfortunately, these are illiquid investments. I Yep. Cannot just sell your shares in 24, 36 hours like you can with stocks and get you your money back. I can't even promise you that I can get you your money back, let alone within a time frame that would satisfy an emergency. It could take months and it may not even happen. Um, we've, we've had it come up a handful of times and so far, nobody's sold their shares to somebody else. So I've never even had that happen. So we try to make sure that anybody who is non-accredited is in a situation that can, I don't want to say afford it, but can comfortably handle it um, and just feel confident that, hey, you know, if this money's tied up for five years, you're going to be okay to live. God forbid something happens.
0: Yeah, know, got it. So for the people who are watching and thinking, okay, maybe I'm not accredited. So 506 uh, B sounds like a great opportunity that I can be a part of. So mm-hmm. what is the process behind that? Like, should a person open an LLC? Should I give you just the check? So what is the process? How, how do people invest in those deals?
1: So they do it a multitude of ways. I cannot and i will not recommend for an individual how they should do it they should talk to their own accountant and attorney however there's people that you can do it with a self-directed ira a self-directed 401k you can do it with cash you can do it in an llc you can do it in a trust um we've actually worked with 1031 investors so you can do it in a tick which is a tenants in common Um, so we're fairly flexible in how we work with people besides that tick component if you do it in a trust or whatever it's still treated the same way it's just kind of what name shows up on the k1 for tax purposes and who do we send the money to um then it's how does it get treated on your side so if you're like oh how should i do it i'll say 50 percent or more people just do it in their name so take that for what you will but you should always get individual advice on your specific situation
0: yeah and the minimum would be like what is the minimum to that people can invest in, in those type of deals just in general
1: yeah, typically fifty thousand.
0: Fifty thousand as a minimum. Okay. Yeah. So again, uh, so what is the what is the plan in general? Like when you hold these properties, like what, when it comes to the holding, what is the strategy? You're planning to like hold five years, uh, refinance, sell. Uh, mm-hmm. Like what's going on with the current portfolio when it comes to the strategy?
1: Yeah. So we have two. I'll say <clears throat> bucket strategies. Everyone's slightly different. Um, but for the more distressed stuff, because you can't get long-term debt out of the box. You have to get a construction loan. We don't refinance and hold long-term. We just decide to sell, assuming the market makes sense. If the market doesn't, we would refinance and hold until it made sense, but those are typically shorter. So anywhere from a two to five-year hold. And we do it as a, an opportunity for investors that are looking for a little bit more upside, a, you know, a little bit of a quicker way to maybe increase their capital but that also comes with a little bit more risk. Though, so those are a little bit by necessity, a little bit by choice, you know, two to five year business plans, depending upon the property, the location, the capital plan, et cetera, are stuff that we're going out and it's 90% occupied, it's stable. It has several years of historical financials that are stable. It's not as risky. Those we're typically saying five to seven years we plan on hold. Um, we'll typically get debt that's anywhere from seven to 10 years long and give ourselves a couple years cushion just in case something happens you know so if we get seven year debt we'll probably say expect 5 years 5 to 7 years but if something happens we have a couple years wiggle room that you know we don't have to make a choice of whether to sell or refinance so that's typically how we tend to look at it
0: got it okay so again for the people who are watching and thinking kind of okay you know passive investing maybe it's it's not my you know choice that I would mm-hmm. like to go with but I would like to explore, you know, same as Chris, maybe, you know, I'm young or old, it doesn't matter, but I want to be part of these, you know, big deals, you know, four units up to 100, 200, whatever. So what, I, what would you recommend for those people during current market conditions? Should they go, like, what path should they take? Should they go educate themselves, get a mentor? They should follow and connect with, their, you know, potential partners. Like, what should be a, a, an approach for these people?
1: Yeah, so I think... Just getting involved in quote unquote, bigger deals is not enough to differentiate the path you should take. I think you need to basically reverse engineer. What is your end goal? Mm -hmm. Do you want 80 units that you just own by yourself? Do you want to build a syndication company that owns 500 million, a billion, 200 million in assets? Do you want to manage properties yourself? Do you want to be hands in the weeds doing, you know, uh, renovations and like, you got to reverse engineer what you're looking to accomplish and i think that'll tell you how to do it i think getting somebody with experience is definitely a good thing i learn by being surrounded by people who know more than me it makes me better it makes i learn through kind of osmosis in a way or seeing other people and learning that way but the best educator by far is just doing it yourself and figuring it out and having those resources around you to help you out when you have trouble or you don't know. So I don't think it's bad having somebody that can help you out, but that shouldn't stop you from going out and doing something. So whether that's buying a five unit yourself or buying a 20 unit yourself or investing passively to gain a little bit of knowledge or to joint venture on a property with somebody else, there's a ton of ways to do it, but I wouldn't say if you're going to go that mentorship education route, it should be hand in hand with actively participating in something it shouldn't be if i have you know money it shouldn't be give somebody 10 20 $30, 000 of money and that's my last dollar and then i'll build it back up over the next year to go buy a property that's totally wrong one mm-hmm. i think you need more capital than that to get started maybe and two it should go hand in hand
0: yeah yeah well definitely great advice and great questions for people to answer as, as i said you know if you kind of look where you want to go and kind of look from that goal back kind of you know reinvent okay i want to i want to own these units i want to have this and you kind of move towards that uh, that goal so that's definitely great advice yeah. i wanted to ask you about uh, marketing i don't know how, how much guys do you believe in marketing and what marketing approaches uh, do you guys use to kind of promote your business uh, i'm a true believer that during these times where attention is is a currency basically uh, when you hone the attention of people of, uh, you know, accredited, non-accredited investors about the deals that you currently have, uh, you will have a lot of kind of people and kind of, you know, the the flow of people coming in towards you. So what do you guys use beside the the TikTok as I've seen you, you have that too. So what, what do you use for your marketing uh, approaches?
1: Yeah. So I'm also a big proponent of content marketing and I think today content is such a, wide spectrum of things. It could be a blog, it could be podcasts, it could be social media, it can be newsletters, it can be webinars. I mean, kind of almost anything that you just do or put out there for free, I kind of view as content marketing in a way, and you're basically building up a brand. Um, So for me, I view there's branding and then there's advertising which is paid stuff we haven't really gone down that spectrum we've played around a little bit with like google adwords and stuff but i mean a small tiny you know like i think 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month or something just to kind of get a feel for what it works like but not anything we've really tried yet um so we do more of that stuff so we do we have our own podcast we do a lot of stuff on social media we do a newsletter um we do some webinars we used to do a meetup every month locally but you know we've kind of stop doing that for the moment. Um, we talked about going virtual, but just decided against it ultimately. Um, yeah, do things through bigger pockets a little bit. Um, you know, try to be in a lot of different places as much as possible.
0: Yeah. So what, what do you guys do on a, on a podcast? Like is this similar kind of format as we're doing right now? Or are you just talking about like what's going on with the podcast currently?
1: Yeah. So we started the podcast cause we were doing those meetups every month. Um, you know, we did it for three and a half years, almost every month. We probably did about 30 meetups over, you know, three and a half years, give or take. And what happened about, you know, 10 or 12 deep was we were speaking at all of them. We turned it into a present. So we moved it to a hotel and like for 30 minutes, we would talk about a topic, do some Q and a, and then we do networking at the end. And what happened was we started feeling like we were covering the same topics. We got tired of hearing our own voice. And we started bringing in guest speakers, you know, fairly regularly. And what we would do is go out to dinner beforehand because these meetups were at seven. We would finish at 435. We're like, hey, let's go get dinner. Let's just chat. Let's, you know, see what's going on. And we would have these awesome conversations at dinner, just chat and shop. And we would always say like, oh, this would be, I think this would be so cool. Like, I bet people would love to hear this They get a ton of value out of it. Like, it's just things that you wouldn't hear otherwise. And we almost thought about just filming those dinners. And they were like, no, like that would take the enjoyment away from us. It wouldn't be quite the same as it would because when you turn a camera on, it's always slightly different.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's what um, I wanted to say. Yeah.
1: But we said, why, you know, eventually we said, why don't we try to just replicate this as close as possible through a podcast? So we just yeah. started one uh, it's called the real estate investing experience. And we just try to have that same dialogue, chat and shop a little bit of peek behind the curtain type thing. And I think we do a pretty decent job at it. You know, it's still not the same as dinner. I think part of it too is those dinners, we would already have some sort of familiarity with the people we already kind of knew them, which mm. we don't know all of our guests, unfortunately beforehand. So you do lose a little bit of that, but that's yeah. that's the goal in mind is to try to be as raw, honest, authentic as possible.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Again, definitely recommend for people to go and check it out. What's, what's the name again of, of your podcast?
1: Yeah, it's the Real Estate Investing Experience. It's on every platform, YouTube, or you can go to the reiexp.com.
0: Here you go, here you go, awesome. So before we wrap up, I just wanna ask you um, the goals again for this year, I'm sure you had a big goals for yourself personally, for the business. Uh, and I'm sure you're gonna follow through with these goals for this year, but the upcoming year, cause everybody kind of forgot this year and they already looking ahead. I think these uh, these times like these, where there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, again, in the same times, there's all opportunities hidden if you just keep your eyes open. So yeah. the, times, the, the times could be really good for a lot of people if, if they just start looking for those opportunities. So but if we talk 2021, what are you planning to accomplish for yourself personally and with the uh, Toro Real Estate Partners also?
1: Yeah, so Toro, we're still looking to build up scale in those areas um you know right before covid we were actually looking to hire one or two people in the office and continue to expand we put that on hold obviously because of uncertainty and cash is king so we wanted to make sure we were in a secure position um but we're continuing to look for properties we're continuing to look to build up our portfolio and just improve every single day in multiple facets um myself i'm actually in the process of buying a small deal for myself down in florida um, so hopefully that'll be under contract by the time this goes live. Um, so I'm just looking to have something for myself on the side. That's just, you know, my control, no investors. Cause I think it's another way for me to diversify. I have money invested in Toro deals. So I've had money in real estate, but it's always good to just have something that's totally under your control as well. So I'm excited about that. I'll probably continue to look for more of those slowly over time, just 10, 15, 20, 30 unit properties in areas that I like and have a manager that I trust. Um, so, yeah, I don't think anything beyond that. I don't think anything crazy. I think we're still in fairly uncertain times. I think we're going to continue to evaluate as we go and see what happens going forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you understand? Okay, so it's been a really fun interview i mean i definitely enjoyed it i mean it, it's very impressive <clears throat> that still being at the age of 19 where you started your journey with the you know flipping houses and now you're heavily involved into multifamily you know syndication helping other people to build their wealth as well you know during these times which is very important i see a lot of people uh, when i talk with the business owners a lot of people looking towards different asset classes because again the bank is not going to pay you anything, right? You have to pay the bank to keep the money. So, mm-hmm. and the stock market is too volatile. So people are open open to more opportunities, which is real estate has been, you know, for hundreds of years, it's been trusted, you know, uh, vehicle to preserve and grow your wealth. So it's awesome what you're doing, you know, with the Toro real estate partners. And I'm sure you're gonna follow through with all the goals that you set for yourself and for the business. Mm-hmm. So for the people, if they want to get in contact with you, uh, what will be the main platforms, including the TikTok, of course, that they can go and uh, get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, so I actually just joined uh, this really cool platform. It's a text-based platform called Community. Um, So you see like people who have like numbers that say text me. um, Just got one. So anybody who wants to hit me up really quick, it's really just like texting back and forth. But I actually don't get people's numbers. So you don't even have to worry about me like, calling you up randomly in the middle of the night. Um, But you can shoot me a text at two in the morning and I'll get back to you the next day. Um, So that's a really cool place to reach out. Literally just text me 631-212-0062 or anywhere on social media, just search Chris Grenzig. So Instagram is at Chris.Grenzig. I think everything else is just Chris Grenzig.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So again, it's been a great time guys. This is an episode sixty nine with Chris Grenzig. Uh, Make sure uh you know go and check it out his platforms uh they have a great content on all the social media i checked it so go and check it out also again the one thing that i want to ask you guys just share this message with the friends that you think this content could be valuable because again i'm sure you know a friend or a person who maybe in this position when you know he's lost or he's looking for something you know an advice uh, that can help him to you know follow through the uncertain and tough times so i think that that could be the message that that person is looking for. So make sure to share that. And yeah, just been a great time and a great opportunity to get to know you, Chris. Hopefully we can do something, you know, in the future as well. And uh, guys, as always, I'm going to see you on the next episode. Thanks. <laughs>